Welcome. <laughs> I'm not sure I like that start off, Rich. <laughs> that's uh, that's shocking. But uh, welcome, welcome. We're just we're just it's crazy around here, right? This is Bash University season. We've been traveling all over the country, and we're we're leaving for Texas in just a couple of days. So we're back in the office. It's great to be back home for uh, just a short stretch. And can't wait to get down to Texas. By the way, we are we are in we're going to be in Texas this weekend, and what an amazing lineup! Riz, you put this together, uh, and I th I'm I'm really impressed with it. Uh, our most recent addition is Bassmaster Classic champ, veteran of the sport. He's won you know so much on both the Bassmaster and the MLF side, and uh, excited to have Alton Jones with us uh, this weekend. But man, what a great lineup! Yeah, seriously, we uh, we got some really talented anglers that are going to be talking for us this weekend. Saturday, we're kicking things off with none other than the back-to-back -back Lake Fork uh, champion for the Bass Elites, Lee Livesey. He's got two awesome topics slated up for us. Uh, he's going to do a pre-spawn fishing seminar, and then he's going to do a top, middle, bottom seminar. Um, going over the must-have baits for every water column that you can encounter out there fishing. And uh, we have uh, John Sukup also joining us for that show. He's going to do a seminar on forward-facing sonar since that's his wheelhouse. Expert. He he he, he lives in that world of forward-facing sonar and really has taken things to the next level. And he's also going to do a jerkbait seminar because that's been one of his biggest tools um, while using forward facing sonar, um, to, to, to catch fish. So he's going to go, he's going to do a deep dive on jerkbait fishing. And then we also have Jay Shakurit, the 2022 Bassmaster Elite Series Rookie of the Year, talking for us on Saturday. And his two topics are a deep dive on drop shot fishing, all things you ever would need to know about how to fish a drop shot. And then also, hard lessons learned as a co-angler and how he applies them into his now professional fishing out there on tour. The things he learned from the back of the boat that are helping him grow and compete and continue to succeed uh, as an angler on the professional level. And then Sunday, we roll right back into it. We got Keith Combs, another absolute Texas hammer. Uh, Keith is going to be talking about offshore fishing 101. Um, and that's a, that's a relative term, right? That doesn't mean you're out there and 40 50 60 feet of water you can be offshore fishing five feet of water that's right. and that's what keith is going to dive in on all those things and then how to fish a run and gun pattern right that's a that's a tournament strategy type of deal um we've had some seminars similar to that from other guys before but the beauty of what we do is that when we hire uh these guys and they work with us as professional anglers we get the we get the point of view from from everybody, right? Everybody has a little different tactic. So we're going to get that run and gun approach from Keith Combs. We also have, um, we have Stephen Browning joining us uh, in Texas. And Stephen's going to be going down the road of all things chatterbait fishing. He is absolutely getting it done out there on tour, throwing a chatterbait pretty much, it seems like all the time. Um, obviously he throws other things, but that chatterbait puts so many fish in the boat and big fish in the boat for Stephen Browning. So he's going to deep dive on that for us. As well as, I love this one, Pete. I absolutely love it. How to be the best angler you can be, right? Everybody has a different style. And this is something right. that we've we've heard a little bit. A lot of times. Fish in, to your strengths, kind of. A lot of topic. times in, in our seminars throughout the year, there's thir certain things that kind of, they, they keep coming up. They keep getting rang home by different guys. And, and one of those things is 
you got to be the best fisherman you can be. I can't, I can't try to be the same fisherman as you, Pete. And Pete can't try to be the same fisherman as Ike. And Ike can't try to be the same fisherman as, uh, as Brian Schmidt, right? Everybody's different. So, uh, Steven's going to go down the road of how to become the best angler you can be. And then last but not least, like you said, Pete, a Bassmaster Classic champ, Alton Jones. Alton Jones is going to take us down a sight fishing seminar. Uh, he's known for catching big ones with his eyes. And so he's going to deep dive on a sight fishing seminar as well as this one. Pete, I'm fired up about I, this one, too. I love this topic. Bass too. fishing super highways, right? Travel routes, migration routes, how to intercept mega schools of bass and keep them coming to you. That might be in and of itself. The most important, the seven. most important thing in in bass fishing right. is understanding how they move, where they're going, where they're coming from. So Alton's going to break that down. It's going to it's going to be a great great weekend, Pete. There's going to be a lot of really good seminars. It's a lot of really great speakers and seminars, and 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 that's the you know to your point when guys get on the water, you know one of the biggest problems is you you're you need to have confidence that you're fishing in the right area, you know, and that bass fishing super highways is such a important topic because it gives you uh an understanding of you'll get you'll get an understanding of where they're going to be at certain seasons why how to intercept them where to where to plan your fishing day uh or where to if you're if you're just a weekend guy and want to go fishing or if you're a tournament guy how to prepare a tournament strategy so uh great stuff and um Pete, what do you got blake bailey just chimed in on the message board and said I built so much confidence in chatterbaits this year. It actually caught me my winning fish in the volunteer BFL super tournament, a 414 largemouth. That's good stuff right, All right. there. Talk Love to, to hear it. Love to hear it. Nice job, Blake Bailey. Awesome. And we're, we're gonna we're gonna be diving in deep with that. And we've uh man, we just came back off of a wonderful weekend down in uh down in Gadsden, Alabama. It was great seeing those yeah. guys. Shout out to the folks at Bucks Island and Dano always awesome to hang out with you guys and Hugh, and uh we look forward to being back there again real soon riz real quick number one highlight gatson alabama my number one man there were so many there were so many good seminars again at that one um let me give you let me give you three let me give i gotta give you three things here because it's just yeah how can i say Who is one? this epic eric like, like I, I can't i can't just say one i'm i'm we, sitting up there front of the class i know i'm living it with these guys i'm going through it all right so okay my my favorite my favorite seminar that was really technique focused technique centric would be ike's rattle trap seminar okay my favorite seminar that was kind of more geared towards utilization of electronics and, and, and how to, how to use them to catch bass. That would be Brandon Lester. And then my, Oh God, there's so many good ones. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying, and I'm thinking yeah. of the other seminars. I'm like, they were just as good. But uh, for my third, for the between the ears, man, I got to go with Scott Canterbury. He was, he was really, really going in on the mental side of bass fishing and actually he got pretty passionate in that seminar and you know he he talked about how he coaches a high school team and he's helping these kids get better and you know uh the 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 intensity that you have to fish with at times it it really rang through so i mean they were all really good but they're they're just a few i i, I could i could do a full one hour <laughs> podcast recapping these seminars i, I know <laughs> i i know you could and and they were they were also good and uh but uh, I, and it's you can't pick because there's so much 
information. I love when I hear something I haven't heard before, but my favorite was uh, with the number. It's the thing that stands out to me because I'm going to apply it is uh, is Brian Thrift's spoon. Yeah. You know, little yep. little to license plate spoon yep. fishing strategy and seminar. And uh, uh, I was actually able to talk him out of one of his spoons. Uh, it was it was gracious enough like to hang get, on to one. Huh? Give it to me. How to use spoons around schooling fish? Um, really, really interesting stuff. And it's an un under uh, utilized tool. And uh, been spoons been around for a million years, right? Uh, but I took something from that that was great. The Q and A's were amazing. Yep. Uh, the the feedback from uh, you know from everybody that attended was made was amazing we had uh, some young kids in class again which we we love to see and uh and students of all ages of yeah. course jocelyn what's your favorite the crispy cream donuts <laughs> <laughs> yes hey yeah. stefan thank you very much stefan our <laughs> uh our crispy cream donut guide there in uh gadsden as well as in south carolina that's right and we're at it we're at another awesome venue again this weekend pete for the texas show we're actually going to be at the Texas Texas Freshwater Fisheries Center, and I had the privilege of visiting that center this past fall with uh, Jake Latondras, and we went to the Hall of Fame ceremonies, and we got to see the whole operation at the TFFC, and they're gracious enough that we're we're hosting our event there, so it's going to be awesome. So if you're you know if you're anywhere within uh, thirty minutes to seventeen hours of Athens, Texas, <laughs> we expect to see you there. Um, it's going to be a great event, and I can't wait. I'm I'm fired up to get back down there and get some more get some more seminars going. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is going to be great. So check out the Texas Freshwater Fisheries. There's a lot to see there. All the Lunker Share, uh, you know, replicas are there. There's You can tour the facility as part of uh, what's going on this weekend. And you can go get tickets at thebashuniversity.com. Um, the, obviously, we're, uh, we'll be on sale and we'll keep you guys posted. All the information you need is over at thebashuniversity.com. So make sure you go and check that check that out guys we got a couple of things going on today as well pete we got some giveaways uh as always we got a grand prize and a facebook like and share our good friends over at waterwood custom baits have have hooked us up with some awesome awesome lures to give away for those so uh stay tuned and guys the grand prize question is going to be something that you know was talked about on today's show and the Facebook like and share will select off of Facebook. So like and share the feed. Guys, if you're not a subscriber right now, is a great time to get involved in the program. You can use the code always BULIVE30 for 30 days free to the program. If you're listening on podcasts, that code is always available, BULIVE30. Um, and it's a great time to get involved because if it's cold, it's rainy, and you're not getting out on the water, well, guess what? You can keep learning through the Bash University. Guys, we're, we're brought to you from Tackle Direct Studios. The folks over there at Tackle Direct, they will hook you up. They will keep their stuff in stock. And you know what? They'll get it to you fast. So check them out at Tackle Direct. And our good friends over at Hobie Eyewear keep our eyes in the place they need to be for fishing. And Hobie Eyewear are some awesome lenses. So you can also, when you're in the Texas seminar, you can win all of those things. There's oh, a yeah. 15% off discount code for Tackle Direct to all attendees. Hobie Eyewear sunglasses given each day. Uh, to one lucky, two lucky winners, I guess. And Waterwood custom baits, some missile baits, some Rapala. There's, there's a ton, and you get the very own BU T-shirt yeah. that Pete is rocking. That's right. You get to meet the dean. And guys, if you live in Athens, Texas, we're gonna be in Athens for a couple days after the show. 
and we want to go fishing. So we need somebody to take us out there. We we need somebody to take us fishing. We've we've got our crew. We need some uh we need some kind souls with some bass boats to come and pick us up at our dock and take us out on Lake Athens on Monday and Tuesday after the event. So give us a call. <laughs> we're gonna re- we're gonna reach out. We're gonna find somebody we who are. to take us fishing. Yep. But today's show is really a, a big bass show, and um, we've got Josh Jones who has really just lit it up on Lake Oh Ivy in Texas. That's about four hours west of Dallas, and this and lake- many other places. He just catches giants everywhere he goes. It seems it's not just Ivy. He yeah. just flat out knows how to catch big ones, the big ones, and he's he's had tons of lunker shares that's 13 pound plus bass that's amazing and uh and doing it on a regular basis and uh we're gonna have them on today talking about uh big fish strategies techniques the use of forward facing sonar how important that has become in uh in catching all these record size fish so he's going to be with us uh here momentarily and if you're watching over on social, don't forget like and share the feed, and we're going to put you in the contest to win some cool stuff uh, here today. And, of course, we'll have a grand prize, as Rich had talked about at the end. I think we're going to take a quick break quick unless break. we got anything else. No, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Josh. Talking big bass, Josh Jones, right after this. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bass University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood custom baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait these things are handmade in the rainforest south of brazil and i mean as you can see right here it's a fish catching bait it's got the front hook that means they wanted it this baits uh it's running really true it throws really well guys check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology.
find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, you're just tuning in. We're, it's a big bass set, um, show today. We've got Josh Jones from Texas that has just ripped them up with these giant lunker shares and giant bass. And we're going to be talking to him about big baits, uh, big fish techniques, and uh, and some really amazing stuff. But we, I just want to give a shout out to Paulo, uh, one of the young men at our uh, at our class this weekend. Love to see that. 15 years old, totally obsessed with bass fishing. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to Brooks Parker, um, who qualified for the college nationals uh, fishing down on Harris chain this weekend. Sag <laughs> sagging up 15 pounds in a tough derby during cold front situations, uh, finishing 20th place, 20th place and uh, making his way to the next round. So, and it's good to see you and uh, and your buddy at, down at the events. And um, looking forward to getting out to Texas. But we're leaving for Texas sh real soon. We can't wait to to get there and uh, have a Bash University class. And we're going to do a little bit of fishing, too. But here's a guy that is fishing in Texas and catching giants. And uh, just totally impressed. Uh, we were just reading some of your stats about your lunker shares, uh, the size 14 pounds, 15 pounds. It's amazing what you're accomplishing out there. But we've got with us the big fish master, Josh Jones. Thank you. Good good to have you with us, my friend. How are you doing today? Doing good. Got a little break out of the, the rain and the wind and the cold weather right now. So that's nice. I was actually on a guide trip and uh, told him I had to take a, an hour break. So here we are. It's actually kind of a good thing because it is pouring right now outside. <laughs> That's well, I'm, I'm glad we could provide you with a, uh, and I thank, thank the, uh, your customers on our behalf. We appreciate uh, them letting, letting you go for a little while to talk to us. And it's, it's crazy. It does. It, it gets cold in Texas, especially that part of Texas. You can get some real nasty weather. 
Yeah, and the nastier the better. Um, we haven't had any nasty weather this year. That's why the fishing's been really kind of tough compared to the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, starting today, it looks like the next week, the weather's lining up to be perfect. So um, you, you might see some big fish caught this week. Why, why is that? Why is, why is the nasty weather a friend to catching those giants? Man, so the only thing I can kind of even guess is uh, over the last three years, you know, I've been using this forward facing technology. And, and uh, my theory on the deal is the colder the weather, the slower their brains work. So you get less followers and more eaters, more fish that are actually eating the bait instead of following the bait. Um, right. Summertime's the worst. You know, when you got water temps above 70, man, those fit nine, 99 out of 108 pound class fish follow the bait and don't eat. So in the dead wow. of winter, you know, when that water temp, especially in the thirties, you're going to catch, you know, uh, a really high percentage of those trophy bass. Water temp in the thirties. I mean, mid thirties wow. to high thirties. That's what I'm looking for, which doesn't wow. happen often. You know, it happens a lot more in, uh, in Oklahoma than it does in Texas, but. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a, a stretch in 2021 where, you know, we had 36, 37 degree water temperature here in Texas. And and there was an eight day period. I caught 22 double digits. So in eight wow. days, a 1540 and a 1320 in, a, in an eight day stretch. So and that was from um, three different lakes, OHIV, Allen Henry and Lake Fork. I mean, it, it, it got nuts. But obviously... OHIV is the one that everyone talks about, and that's where I spend most of my time. All I really care about now is double digit. You know, <laughs> like all morning, we threw at one fish today because that's all, you know, I'm only going for double digits. And I tell my clients that, you know, if you're coming with me, you're not going to catch a lot of fish. Wow. That's, so. that's amazing. It's, uh, that it's fascinating stuff, and the 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 colder it is, the the e the easier they are to get the trigger. Doesn't make sense, Josh. These are Florida strain, man. They're supposed to not bite when the weather gets cold. Yeah, but you know, with the new technology, you can put your bait three four feet from their face. You can kind of entice them. You know, back in the day, we didn't have that luxury. So, uh, yeah, the colder the better. I look forward to January, February, March. You know, all summer, all spring. <laughs> I don't care about bass on beds. I don't care about nothing. I just want that super, super cold water temperature. And uh, that's that's where I've had most of my success. Wow. Although you can catch them year round, but you catch you catch a lot more when it's cold. Right now, it'd be a perfect day to actually catch them, but it's a tough where do you day. start your Where do you start your search when when the water's like that cold? Like, are these are these fish suspended? Or are they you know are they relating to something? Or where do you where do you begin? Uh, most of them are in open water, you know, okay. suspended, roaming on bait. Uh, you know, different times of the year they're set up different, but this time of year, most of them are just in open water roaming around. Um, the majority of the fish I'm seeing right now are about thirty to sixty foot deep. Um, some of them are so deep when you catch them, they die. So that's, that's one of the problems, but they're out there roaming around the previous two years. The majority of the fish this time of year were 15 to 20 foot. So they're doing a little bit different this year. Although I have been seeing some fish in that depth, but the bite's been so terrible. Um, the only fish that I can really get to, to, to bite are those really, really deep ones. It's interesting. I, you, 
I have a theory behind that too. I, I feel like they can't see the bait as well. It's a little lower light conditions and they, they can't tell it's an artificial lure and they, that's why they trigger. So that's my theory on that. That's interesting. Well, we, I fish a lot of deep fish, not for these giants because we don't have them where I'm at, but the, the deep, deep, the deeper fish are really all I've seen that oftentimes they're, they're easier to get the bite, you know? And that's, uh, but you, you talk about this cause this is fascinating to me. Um, you fought, you threw it a fish this morning, like one fish that I, really, I wanted to catch. So tell so tell me, so first the, the, the process here is you've ID'd one, right? You see one and it, it looks different. It, it, it clearly is the size you're looking for. Tell me, tell me about that. What, what are you seeing on your on your forward facing sonar that lets you know, hey, this is this is one we need. So I keep my active target at 40 foot deep and 100 foot out. And I've kept it like that ever since I've had it. And that gives me an accurate grid. So if I'm constantly changing the depth and changing the, the distance, if I it, it will it will make the fish say say I raise the depth to 20 foot and the distance to 50 that two pound fish is now going to be bigger on the screen than before. So I just leave my screen the same all the time, whether I'm in 10 foot of water or 50 foot of water, because that fish is going to show up the same size on that screen. If you're constantly fiddling with the, the depth and the distance, it's going to change your everything about it. So I I just leave it the same. And I've been staring at this screen for since 2015 and optics. So you know, I used to run the grid view on this on the, the the locator, so that that really helped me dial in to how big these fish were. And then I got to a point, you know, I don't need the grid view because I've been staring at it so long. So that's kind of how I, I determine how big a fish is. Well, uh, and that and I've heard that before. Um, Got to keep that screen consistent so that you can see, you know, obviously identify your bigger fish from a smaller fish and that makes a lot of sense you're now you're chasing this you've id'd this fish so basically you're you're almost like fishing for a spawning fish it sounds like and i don't know are you you're repetitively casting at this fish almost like to try to anger or harass this fish into biting yeah (laughs) i mean it's a it's similar to sight fishing but it's way harder than sight fishing um because these fish are always moving they're, they're going up in the water column, down in the water column. Um, right now, I'm catching my fish on a 3-8 um, swim jig. So you got to imagine, if there's a fish 30 foot down and it's moving, you know, it takes a while just to get that bait in front of that fish because by the time that bait sinks, that fish has done move 30 feet. So you kind of have to lead them like a quarterback leads a wide receiver. And uh, a lot of it's luck. You got to put your bait in the right spot at the right time because a lot of these fish are doing this. So a lot of times it's impressive just to get a bait in front of the fish. And then you got to get the fish to bite. Um, You know, I've been kind of chasing the same fish for the last month. So these fish have seen my swim jig every single day and they're smart. They're not biting. (laughs) Um, But I'm on some, some big, huge fish. If I can get these things to bite, if we get some cold weather, you might see another 60-pound strainer because there's some gigantic fish out there right now. Uh, we've, we've got questions coming in. I want to get to them. 
but I got more. I got more important questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said you're, don't listen to him. You're you're fishing 40, 40, 60 feet with a three eighths ounce, uh, and and six inches. It must. It's oh my gosh! It must take like a a, a minute for that bait it to get down. Takes to that a while. My buddy just came in. He looks pretty miserable. <laughs> His porn <laughs> out ready. But yeah, uh, it, it you know it's a lot. Like I said, a lot of it's luck just to get your bait in the right spot at the right time in front of the right fish. So I tried a heavier uh, jig combination. Um, you know, I even tried a ounce and a half swim jig, but it's something about that hook set with the weight of that head. The fish just don't, they don't stay pinned. So I would rather risk it with a three eighths or a half. Um, and, and I've been throwing a three eighths because that's all I could get. You know, they sold out. So I kind of just throw what I can get my hands on. So that's why I'm, I'm throwing a three eighths right now. Why the swim jig rather than like a swim bait or jerk bait or, or, or any other choice? So I discovered that swim jig deal kind of on accident. I was crappie fishing and I stumbled across um, a massive school of largemouth. There, there was three brush piles on a hunt by a drop off and I knew they were largemouth. And I found them while I was crappie fishing. So. I figured it would be a huge opportunity for one of my sponsors, you know, to go out there and I could film and showcase some of their lures, you know, and catch all these bass on, on film. So I went back the next day and I couldn't get those fish to bite. I threw a spoon, crankbait, big baits, Carolina rigs, drop shots, you name it. They were following it to the boat. Now I caught two or three, but there's 200. Okay. So I, I threw everything that I could, you know, kind of figure out. And I had a seven foot rod rigged up with a little tiny crappie hair jig. So I said, well, what, what do I got to lose? You know? And I started throwing that hair jig, teeny tiny 32nd ounce hair jig with the number four hook and, uh, started catching these, these bass. I mean, cause it was middle of summer and, uh, I, I was like, okay, well, how's this going to help six cents? You know, they're not going to sell any baits cause I'm throwing a crappie bait. And at the time they didn't have one. So I found the next best thing that I had just been throwing at Lake Fork on the green lights. And I had a swim jig with a trailer, but it was a, you know, it was a smaller bait. So I threw it and of course I wasn't getting bit. So I, uh, I took the trailer off because I was trying to make it a small profile. I took the trailer off. I cut the brush guard off and I trimmed the skirt up to make it as small as possible. And I started catching fish left and right. And, and I had some, that was on Okima Lake. I had some really big fish found on Dripping Springs. It was about 40 minutes away, like eight, nine, 10 pounders. And I couldn't get them to bite. And uh, that day I left and I took that, what I found, what I figured out on that little swim jig deal. And I went to drip and ended up catching an eight pounder. And my numbers are getting kind of confused, but I want to say 22 straight days, I caught an eight pound bass on that swim jig in Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, an eight pounder is like a ten pounder in Texas. So right then, I knew I had something figured out. Now you still wouldn't catch a lot, you know. You would throw in front of fifty, and you might catch one, but that's better than throwing in front of fifty and catching zero. So I later on, a couple months down the road, fall hit. We came here to Ivy, and I ended up catching a fifteen ten on the swim jig, no trailer, no brush guard, and. We, I mean, from then on, it's just been epic. You know, it's the most consistent big fish bait. I'm talking trophy bass that they're, that's on the market, guaranteed. 
That's a bold statement. I like that, it. That I found. So are you doing anything? Like, are you putting like are you sliding like a chunk of a Senko up the hook to like flare the skirt out at all? Or is it just straight naked nope. swim jig? Naked swim jig. You might wow. trim it up a little bit, but cut that brush guard off. You know, I fish open water most of the time. So you know, you don't really need the brush guard, especially when you can see the bait. You, right. you can see it on the screen. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I do. It's it's worked. It's been amazing. I mean, but here's something else. I got in on the technology way earlier than anyone else, right? So so I was getting a bunch of these virgin fish that never even seen a lure before. And, you know, it's it's just kind of right time, right place, right person, right deal. It's all kind of – I've just been super, super fortunate and lucky to get on this thing early. Man, well, it's uh, that's terrific. I, I want to ask you some more, but I'm hogging. We're hogging the air. I know we got subscribers. <laughs> They're they're more important, uh, and they've got questions for you, Joss. Let me throw it to you. Randall would like to know how can you tell the difference between a bass and a carp? Good so, question. Both both big fish. How yeah. do you tell the difference? And they both move around a lot, and they both school up. Carp school up just like bass. Um, one of the first things I look at on a fish on the screen is the tail. You know, I try to find where that fish is moving, and I try to find that fish's tail. And if that tail has a fork on it, it's a carp. Don't throw at it. Move along. Don't waste time throwing a carp. You'll waste a lot of your day throwing a carp, throwing a shad, throwing a catfish. That's what – I think that's what separates me from anyone else. I don't have a whole lot of wasted time throwing at these things just because I've been staring at it so long. So that's the key. Try to figure out where the fish is moving and what direction that fish is facing, and then look at the tail. So, because a catfish will have that fork tail too, right? Yeah, and on the screen, a catfish, you can see the tail moving a lot more than a bass or a carp. Okay. And catfish are all, always moving too. They're always moving around, and they school up just like bass too. Um, what kind of separates the bass from everything else is they, they move in the water column a lot more. Um, Whoa. They're coming bass up. move more? Bass go up and down more? Yeah, they go up and down a lot. And if you see one going up and down, you probably know it's a bass. The car. What about what about uh, stripers? Do you? Did, uh, I'm imagining you're seeing stripers around. Have you been able to identify the difference there? Yep, stripers. They're real darty. They'll dart to your bait and dart around, and they'll just dart. Um, and they they swim a lot faster in a largemouth. They swim a lot faster in a carp. So you can tell pretty immediately that it's a striper and not a largemouth. So the largemouth kind of like they, they they move, but it's almost like they're moving with like a purpose, like they're not in a hurry or yeah, they're just they know they just consistently move. They don't really speed up and slow down, speed up. You know, they move at the same speed most of the time. Right, um, that makes a lot of sense. Like if you see, if you ever seen a bass like just come swimming by your boat in real clear water, if he's not like spooked, he's just chilling. You know, he's just rolling at his own pace. That's what they do. So that's deep water, shallow water, all the same. Huh. That may be the most valuable forward facing tip that I have ever heard. And a great question from the Bass University crowd. Do you, you have another one, Josh? I do. I actually have a couple. Um, Scott would like to know do you use any scent to trigger those longers? You know, I tried at Lake Fork. Um, this was 2019 20. You know, I've been two or three years in a row down there. And, you know, those fish are some of the most pressured fish there are. And I've tried every scent in the book, and I still can't get them to consistently eat down there. This time of year, you can get them to eat. But, you know, summertime, um, we were seeing 100 
giant today, but we couldn't get any to buy it. And I was throwing all kinds of scents. I was doing everything possible and still couldn't get those fish to, to trigger. So I don't really use the scents. I'm not saying they don't work, but, you know, nowadays when you can put that bait inches from that fish's mouth, you know, bring it right above them or whatever you do, I don't think there's much need for scents. And I, I don't think there's, I don't think color matters that much either now that you can actually put the bait and present that bait how you want in front of that fish. That fish isn't having to see that bait out of the corner of his eye now because we're bringing it in front of his eyes. So color is – but do you have a preferred color? Do, I mean, what are your color choices? Natural. Natural colors. Whether like they're shad? bluegill or shad. Right now it's it's kind of a shad pattern. Um, there, there's a lot of bluegill out at the lake I'm on right now, and there's a lot of big bass on them. So uh, a bluegill color – you know, swim jig, um, just just kind of match what they're what they're trying to eat. Man, that's but, awesome! The power of the swim jig, Pete. Like I know, well, I, you, I knew you throw it. You know what I mean? Like I follow your stuff on social, so I knew you throw that 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 swim jig a lot. But like to hear how much it's really like it's like the dominant tool for you. Like it, it. it seems like. Are you throwing anything else? Are there other baits you're showing these fish if they won't eat the swim uh, jig? You know, A-Rig, obviously, A-Rig's a, a very important uh, bait of mine. Um, you know, I threw a lot of swim baits in the summer, you know, up shallow, 316s, uh, burritos, you know, glide baits. Um, but my main tool, my main bait is a swim jig, for sure. That, yeah, you said a six-inch swim jig. That's six the cents. Swim oh, bait, six sorry. Cents. Okay. Six cents. Yeah, my, okay. my favorite set, six cents braid because of that hook. That hook's so strong. And even when I was up chasing those giant smallmouth, I was using 22-pound test line and that big hook because when I set that hook, I got a strong rod, I got strong line, and I want a strong hook. I want to get that fish to the boat as fast as possible. A lot of people see my, my videos, and they're like, how is that fun? He's just reeling the fish in, you know, 20 seconds. Well, that's what I want. Because especially out here where I'm at, there's zebra mussels everywhere. There's bushes everywhere. There's trees. I want that fish in that in that net or in my hand before he gets off. There's zebras, mussels. Where where are you where where are you fishing at right now? Are you on ivy? I'm on ivy. And there's zebra mussels down there. Oh, it's terrible. No kidding. Well, I had no. I did. I did not know that. You know, like we bad. encounter zebra mussels a ton, like up on the St. Lawrence on Champlain and all that stuff but i didn't know that was a deal down there is the water really clear clear right what's the water out there right now seven foot but last year is about 20 really yeah, 20 foot visibility last year but right now it's murkied up there's a lot of hydrilla and a bunch of native grasses growing up right now so it's kind of murkied up the water gotcha what well, i got one more question pete i got it <laughs> i know we're, we're I, i'm I, hype on four we're all, we're all hyped I'm, up with too many in. questions but go why why active rather than panopic so the Panoptics was the first generation of the live scope. Yeah. So or yeah, yeah, the live scope. Why, why, why Lawrence rather than Garmin? So it it kind of you know it was kind of destiny meant to be type of deal. Um, there was a retailer, um, kind of sabotaged my Garmin deal to be quite honest about it, and they weren't they didn't want to pay me, and actually they wanted all their units back. So I made Garmin millions of dollars, and they'll admit it. And they wanted their units back, so I gave them their units back. Justin Russell kind of got got me hooked on the Lawrence, and uh, 
best thing that ever happened to me, honestly, because, you know, you get so dialed in. It's like the Chevy versus the Ford versus the Dodge argument. You know, everyone's got an opinion. And if you drive a Ford, you're going to talk crap on a Dodge. You know how it is. So yeah. I was in the same mindset. I was like, that Lawrence doesn't work because it was something I wasn't familiar with until I got it. And then I was like, wow, the bottom separation's much, much more impressive with the Lawrence. I can see out farther. You know, I watched Jacob Wheeler's side-by-side -side comparison, and I was like, is he just saying, you know, you always have doubts. Is someone getting paid to say this? You know, right. um, but to be honest, I don't get paid by Lawrence. Um, this is, a, you know, Justin Russell at Russell Marine. He kind of took me in. He said, you can run what you want. And kind of out of spite, I was like, well, I'm not running a Garmin. I'm going to switch to Lawrence. And it ended up being the best thing that ever happened. Last year, by far, was the best year I've ever had. Um, I, I don't even know how many big fish I caught, but the clarity, you don't have a million settings on the Lawrence. I can go to OHIV, seven foot visibility, and I can go to Lake Daniel an hour up the road, one inch visibility, crappie fishing. And I don't have to change a single setting. It's going to be the same. Um, I, I just like it. The usability of yeah. the units, I really like a lot. Um, overall, the, the trolling motor, so quiet. The, it, you know, I, I got my start running the, the Fortrex. And in my opinion, the Fortrex is the, the most durable motor ever made. And it had sure. the arrow. You guys remember that Fortrex? Mm -hmm. I beat the crap out of that thing. And this Lowrance is, is very, very similar to that Fortrex. The head doesn't move. It's just the arrow. And it's just super. It's like built like a tank. So I'm really enjoying just the whole setup. To be honest, I don't use right. the units at the console. I, I don't, I've never even turned my side scan on. I actually turned it on for the first time last week. I don't use the side scan. It's good, but I don't use the spot lock on the troll motor. I'm kind of just drifting with the wind, you know, looking for the searching, next big searching with the scope. We're searching with the forward facing sonar. It's it's unique, you know. Um Gary Dobbins is a good friend of mine, and you know, he he's in the rod business and he has a rod for every application, right? Well, he got on the boat with me and I was you I mean, early on, I kept my distance at 50 foot with the Garmin because I couldn't see out much farther than that. So I was a lot of times I was just pitching these baits 30 foot. So I was throwing a five ounce Alabama rig on a, a 744, which is basically a medium, medium heavy rod. And, and I was doing it because I wasn't having to throw far. So a lot of the technique is, is different than what people are really used to seeing. You know, back in the day, throwing a thousand times and reeling, I don't do that. I was telling the story the other day. I was at Allen Henry. I spent about eight hours at Allen Henry. It's a lake south of Lubbock. I saw six fish all day that I wanted to catch, and I might have casted 15 times all day. Ooh. I mean, it's kind of brutal. I'm out there with my hands in my pocket driving around looking like an idiot a lot of times, but it works, you know. I'm, I'm have more good batteries. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm more or less hunting instead of fishing, you know, and in a way it's kind of it hasn't ruined fishing for me by any means. It, it's different than it used to be. I, I won't ever. I don't see myself just wanting to go fishing, catching two and three and four pounders. You know, that's it's kind of taken that away from me a little bit because I'm just so obsessed with 10 pounders. You know, when you catch one. It's just something different. Your adrenaline's going. You're you're shaking. Your legs are shaking. You're just you know. It's kind of the right. thrill, the thrill of the hunt. And I love to hunt, right? 
But one thing I don't like about hunting is once you kill that animal, it's dead and the hunt's over. Well, with bass fishing, you can catch it and then you can let it go and go hunt them down again next year. That's what's really awesome yeah. about that. That's that's re that's really cool. And uh, it, it's it's I've fished this way and in tournaments and it makes me you know nuts. We talked about it before, like when we get on a, a, a schooling bite where you have to hold your cast, um, you know, and because if you're fishing, they'll come up at a, the wrong place and you won't be able to access that bite. So you have to stalk, you know, you have to stalk the schooling activity and you can't cast. And, and, uh, and I've done that before and it's just, it, it, it's really hard to do. And uh, it's, it seems like, man, that's the exact strategy you're using for these giants. You, mm -hmm. you, you got to wait till you find your target. Yep. And now it's easier than ever. You know, now that I am running the Lawrence and I, I'm just so dialed in. I can tell you exactly how big each fish is, probably within a pound. You know, most of the time I can tell you within a pound how big this fish is. Crappie, I can tell you, you know, most most of the time it's going to be within a half a pound of what it is. You know, it's the, this wow. active target has just really opened my mind. And it's it's just amazing how, you know, how technology is and and. They, they sent me a couple videos. They emailed me a couple videos of the new Active Target 2. I cannot wait to get it on my boat. Like I said, I'm not sponsored by Lawrence, but I'm really excited about, you know, getting to use it and, and trying it out. I got to ask you this question. Uh, you, you're talking about you can ID these fish. Have you seen the Loch Ness giant, giant, <laughs> that you weren't able to catch how, and how big do you think you've seen and, and, uh, haven't caught yet? So I saw a Texas state record, large mouth. I know it was over 18 pounds at Eagle mountain Lake and it was oh. on a stump and it followed my bait three times all the way to the trolling motor. Oh, all the way to the trolling motor, all the way to the, and it would swim so right you, back. To the you looked at the fish. You're like, Oh, there it is. Well, I didn't see it in the water. I just saw it on the screen. Okay. But I know for a fact it was over 17 pounds. I mean, that's that's what fact. your big is, right? A 17? No, my buddy caught a 17. I got two 15s. And Kyle caught the 17? No, Kyle caught a 16. Oh, okay. All right. I, can't, I lost track of all these 15, 16, 17 my, pounds. My buddy Brody came down in a blizzard, fished for three days, and caught one bass, but it was 17 pounds. Wow. That, that's ivy, though. You, I mean, you're going to fish hard, and you're going to fish all day, and it's going to be miserable, but you might get one bite. Have you guys caught a fish today? No. They, see, my buddies haven't caught a fish today. Either. I haven't either. But in a couple hours, he might be coming up here and weighing a share lunker, you know, over 13 pounds. You just never know. Before these guys ask any more questions, the subscribers have a ton. Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, They're fascinated. How, how do you start looking for fish as soon like? Like, how do you look for them other than on forward facing sonar? Like, where do you start? Uh, where, where's your starting point on a new lake? That's it. You know, just put the troll motor down. Um, a lot of times right at the boat ramp, turn it on high and go. Eventually, you're going to come across a fish, right? In a day, on a on a good day, at Al say Alan Henry, for instance, I bet I drove that trolling motor seven or eight miles. You know, I'm covering a big, huge majority of the lake. I'm covering a lot of water and it's just um, basically you, 
you know you're eventually going to come across one. Eventually. If you cover enough water, you're going to find one, right? It's kind of like elk hunting up in the mountains. You go over enough passes, you're going to find that herd eventually. That's kind of how it is for me. But there are times of the year where you're going to focus on drains. You're going to focus on points, pumps, stuff like that. But, but coming up now, the big schools of fish in the fall are now starting to split up. So they're starting to be individual fish just roaming. So you never know where those roamers are going to be. I caught a 1320 the first day I ever showed up to Ivy, 40 foot down, 80 foot of water in the middle of the lake. No, there was no bait. There was no trees. There was no nothing. He's just roaming around out there. So that was kind of a freak accident too. But you you spend enough time on the water and you spend enough time looking at that screen, you're going to make your own luck. Luck's going to come to you eventually. Bert, That's true. Bert would like to know, do you are you throwing monofilament in the cold water? I'm throwing uh, fluorocarbon right now. 20, 22 pound fluorocarbon. Straight 22 fluor. Ne never braid with a leader, just straight fluoro all the time. Yeah, all the time. Even with um, my big swim baits, I'm throwing 22 pound. JB Langley would like to know new lake. How are you breaking breaking it down, and how do you know where to start looking? Another another question. They but yeah. people are like fascinated. You just put your trolling motor down and go. Yeah, it, 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 it's like nothing we've ever heard. And here's the deal: I learned that in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma has a lot of small lakes, a lot of small city lakes, and we're by small, I mean under you know two thousand acres. So you could cover the whole thing multiple times in a day a lot of times. So what's the point of driving anywhere where you know you're going to circle around anyway? So I would just back my boat in, get on the troll motor, and just go. And I remember Okima Lake, the lake I just talked about where I found that big school. I backed the boat in. I parked it. I got back in the boat, and I caught an eight-pounder on the concrete of the actual boat ramp. We're talking – 10 minutes after I launched the boat, you know, they're just, there's, there's fish everywhere at OHIV here. I got a video online, you know, I caught two 10 pounders. I could have basically power pulled down on the boat ramp. They're everywhere. I mean, and, and I learned this crappie fishing, you know, I tournament crappie fish for a couple of years and there was just crappie everywhere and there's bass. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's not like the, the style of fishing I do. It's not like I'm going to a brush pile or I'm going to a rock. I do that a lot, but that's not the majority of what I do. The majority of what I do is turn the troll motor on eight or nine or 10 and just go. I catch a fish. I don't spot lock. I let the wind blow me to wherever it wants to blow me. I get back on and I go. It's kind of a unique deal that a lot of people can't comprehend until you get enough confidence to where you're okay with it. You're okay with not catching a fish for an hour. You're okay with not, with not, making a cast for two hours, but you got to trust the process and know that eventually you're going to come across a 10 pounder eventually, but you don't always catch them. Right. You got it. You got to, you got to take that. You got to take that risk. Josh, I'm going to throw it back to you. Cheyenne wants to know, do you use a trailer on your swim jigs? No trailer ever. Now I, I, I say never at Lake Fork fishing those green lights at night. We use a trailer and leave the brush guard off because the trailer allows you to work it higher up in the water column. It causes more drag and you can reel it a little bit slower. But 
doing what I'm doing right now. Never a trailer, never a brush guard. I have a question. You, you're uh, you're going to risk not catching fish, right? A lot of us are tournament guys. How how what you know? You probably talked with a lot of tournament guys. How how do you how how would a tournament guy kind of marry this? Because he he can't not come in with fish, right? But at the same time, he's got to be able to target some of these big ones to put them over the edge. What what are your thoughts on 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 how to manage that as a tournament Man, guy? That's a good question for one of my really good friends, Kyle Hall. I mean, he won. I think he won more money than any other professional angler last year. I think yeah, he won we had him. We had him on after the. Uh, we had him on after Champlain. So he's gonna live by it, and he's gonna die by it, and it went really well for him this year. So I'm just gonna say, hey, just commit to what you got. Have faith in what you're doing. Have confidence in what you're doing. Kyle's one of the best, and he proved it. I mean, that kid killed it this year. He he credits a lot of that to you, Josh. By the way, no, he uh, he, he he, yeah. We spent a lot of time on the boat together, but that he's next level. He's taught me a lot of stuff, and I right. probably taught him a lot of stuff. But but he's he's committed and he's trusted what he's looking at, and it went really well for him. So yeah, we actually so and when we were just in Anderson, South Carolina, two weeks ago, we we had Brian Schmidt do a seminar that was very. You know, it, it was very forward-facing, sonar-centric. And a lot of the things he said, Pete, in that seminar ring back to the things that Josh is saying is is just the having faith, the confidence that, you know, you may be sitting on two, right? You're sitting on two in the well at 2.30 and you're doing at 3.30. But he's so confident that if he runs across the right group of fish or sees the right fish on the scope, that you're going to put him in the boat that right. quickly, right? And, uh, you know, it's just like – you know, once you have that amount of hours on the water with that technology, eventually you're going to become proficient with it and you're going to be able to use it to catch fish. And, you know, it may not be chasing 13 pounders, but chasing threes, fours and five pounders, you know, your likelihood of getting those fish to bite is probably a lot better. So it's I mean, the tournament application is is absolutely there. And, you know, Josh is just using it to, to catch 15 pounders. all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got my own little niche here. Uh, and Kyle has his, obviously, but but I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm I went the different route. I didn't go the tournament route. I went the kind of social media guiding, you know, where I I can be home every night kind of route. But uh, yeah, Kyle, Kyle's got some secrets that he's probably not going to share that he knows, and he's a he's one of the best angler. He's probably the best angler I've ever fished with. I mean that he knows what he's doing for sure. So. He's definitely going to be one to look out for, you know, this year. Yeah, well, he he already is, and one of the the from that interview with him and what we've seen even this weekend is is kind of merging the two, you know, like pattern fishing and area like they're catching fish on the in between places. Like normally when we would tournament fish, we would go from a primary point where we knew a, a school of fish might pull up. And there might be another primary point a mile down the lake. And so we would go from point to point to catch them. But now it's you're trolling. You're fishing at point still. But now you're trolling motoring to the next point to pick off those giants or those roamers or those cruisers before you get to the next point. As opposed to being on the outboard, you're, you're actively hunting fish in between good places. Yeah. 
in something else now. We're not fishing that point where 25 other anglers are fishing, you know. You're yeah. out there for the fish actively feeding that haven't seen a bait in weeks, you know, um, or ever for that instance. And I will say ever because and it's it's all, you know, this is a, you know, looking back now, I, I can see what what's kind of happening. These bass are getting educated. Um, the first year I really picked up bass fishing. Um, I'm going to brag a little bit, but the first year. With an A-rig, I caught a 40-pound stringer on nine different Oklahoma lakes. And I caught a 10-pound bass on seven different Oklahoma lakes. And then the second year, it got slower. And now, it's <laughs> to catch a 40-pound stringer, you're doing something special. Those fish early on had never seen a lure. They definitely never seen an A-rig out in the middle of the lake. But... The, right. the process, you know, the fish are definitely getting smarter. They're getting more intelligent and they're getting way harder to catch. Are so, they feeling that ping? I don't think so. I think they're just you seeing know. a lot of different baits. There's a study online. My buddy actually told me about it. I didn't read it, but they, they were raising, um, you know, brood stock, large mouth and, and grow out ponds and in, in stock ponds. And they did some study to where the first time they showed those fish a lure, they had a like 90% strike rate or whatever. And then they waited six weeks and they showed them the same lure and they had like a 60% rate of catch. And then they waited six weeks and then they had like a 20%. So these fish were definitely getting educated to that lure. So, and, and that's all, that's all information you can find online and find these studies and, my buddy and I are kind of obsessed with bass fishing and it's, you know, we lay in bed at night listening. Not, we don't lay in bed together. Sorry, but <laughs> we'll lay in bed just reading this stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, how these bass learn and, and these things are really actually really intelligent. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't think they are, but they really are. That's interesting. Cause the, the, their brain is small and it is, you know, like a three second memory is what some studies have shown. And, but there's, there's that survival mode. They have to become, you know, somehow educate themselves not to fall victim yep. to, to harm's way. And uh, you're seeing it in that study that you're talking about. So they're getting used to seeing those programs, by the way, you know, it doesn't make you a bad guy. If you're in, you know, you know, sharing videos with your buddy in bed. It's all right. <laughs> no, I just, in case my wife is watching, I just wanted to. Clear <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, we're playing in their world. Yeah. Like we're, 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 when we're showing them baits and in the water, that that's, that's their, their, that's their 365, 24 hours a day. It's like, you know, I'm pretty sure that if something or something weird comes into your bedroom, you know, right you, you know that something is off and the fish are the same way it's like you know they're the, the more they're getting accustomed to it the, the, the smarter they're the smarter they're getting like you said survival mode yeah but then you're, you're coming up different ways to catch them i know there's there's new techniques uh coming out and, and honest i want to ask you this because uh you found that, that a swim jig um with with you know is 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 a key deal i just saw there was a a Ken Duke had brought it to my attention. I can't think I'll, I'll say it before the end of the show, but it's a product that you can put on your bait to give you a better reading on your forward facing sonar. And there's jig heads that have different heads 
styles that that can be picked up better. Um, and I'm I'm imagining uh, we're probably you're going to have to keep altering your baits, right? There's going to be a you know the next round of baits that work better on forward facing, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, and I think the Japanese really figured it out out there on those really high pressured reservoirs they have because they're coming out with the the super super tiny bait, and you know they're kind of the pioneers of the the small baits. Think of it. Um, so yeah, I think we're gonna have to go smaller instead of larger. If they're gonna eat a large bait, I think they were gonna eat a small bait. You know, um, they don't always. So, and I learned this crappie, right? You could drop, and this was in a tournament environment, bait down there, big crappie jig, and it would come up and it would look. He put that down. And, well, I have never not once dropped a small jig down there and him look at it and then me drop a big jig and get a bite. They always eat the small most of the time, but they won't always eat the big. So I think if they're going to eat the big, they're going to eat the small. So especially in a tournament environment, why even throw the big if they're going to eat the small all the time or the majority of the time? You know, and honestly, tournament crappie fishing and crappie fishing in general has got me to where I'm at right now, bass fishing. You know, it's helped me learn that because bass and crappie aren't that much different. It's helped me learn, you know, when I'm out there chasing crappie, it's helped me learn where the bass are. Um, it's really helped me with the boat control. Boat control is very, very important. You know, that's that's one thing that people don't really think about. But if your boat's drifting with the wind and your bait or your boat drifts over a 10-pounder, well, there's a very good chance that that 10-pounder is not going to bite once it gets under your boat. And especially when you got to back the boat up and your troll motor's making a bunch of noise and whatever, your, your, your odds go down significantly if everything's not presented to that fish perfectly. You know, if you if you throw at the fish 20 foot from the troll motor and he follows you five foot to the troll motor and sees you, he's going to dart off and be afraid. So everything has to line up perfectly. You want to present that bait to that fish when he's probably 60 or 70 foot in front of the boat, mm. which, again, is what's awesome with that Lawrence, not sponsored by him. But you mm -hmm. can you can kind of differentiate what's what at a farther distance and present that bait where it needs to be before it gets too close to the boat. We're, uh, we're, we're, your, your signal is getting a little choppy on us. We, uh, Oh, there, I think you're back with us. I, you talked about presenting that bait and this is what we haven't talked about is how are you presenting that bait? Are you burning it? Are you trying to suspend it and shake it in their, in their nose? Uh, well, how, how are you working that lure? It's all, it all depends, um, how deep of water more more or less you know sometimes they're five foot under the surface sometimes they're 40. number one i gotta get the bait in front of them and keep it above them you know and then right. as long as you do that keep the bait above them once that bait goes below them they're gonna see the line they're gonna you know and they don't feed down they will feed down but most of the time they don't feed down you know their eyes are on top of their head for the most part not below so you want to try to keep the bait above them for sure gotcha Jocelyn, I'm going to throw it to you. We, we're getting counted with questions over I know. here, Josh. Neil would like to know, if they won't eat that swim jig, what are your next three go-to baits? I mean, it sounds crazy, but honestly, if I throw a couple times at him and he follows my bait and he doesn't eat, I just find a new fish. 
You know, hmm. there's going to be a time in a couple weeks that I'm just going to throw the A-rig all the time. I'm not even going to touch a swim jig. And if that fish follows it once and doesn't eat, move along. Go to the next one. Don't waste your time with a fish that you're going to spend an hour on and not get it to bite. Now, will you keep throwing at that fish if you don't get the follow? Yeah, because if it doesn't follow, you likely it didn't get the bait in front of it. Gotcha. A, a bass okay. is yeah, very that's good to know. A bass will definitely turn or look or do something. He's not just going to not look at it. But if that fish looks at it, a lot of time they'll they'll nose up to it and then go back down. That fish is not going to eat at all. Okay. Just move to the okay. next. So you don't necessarily have to see them following your bait on the sonar all the way back. It could be as simple as them acknowledging the bait, coming up to it, maybe making one turn on it, and then turning off. And that's enough yep, to tell you, good. like, okay, that, that fish is not going to do it. It's hard to not want to make another cast, but I've been doing this a long like, time. Not that's like that's, that's like in duck hunting. Like when you have a group of birds that are coming in and you hit them with the call three times and they look at your spread and everything, and then they just they show no interest and turn away. It's like you might as well stop stop blowing the call at them. They're not going to do it. And it seems like the fish are the same way. And this is where Josh has built up that efficiency. Right. That he, he's basing his decisions off of the fish behaviors. It's not... It's not hopeful. It's not wishful thinking. It's it's based on, you know, that time. There's hours on the water of seeing, okay, if a fish comes up and noses at it and he doesn't do it, not even worth it. Efficiency is the most important thing. Well, one, I mean, I, I was telling my client the other day, I'm like, the number one thing, and I told him the number one thing about 10 different times on 10 different things, and I was basically like, everything's important. <laughs> yeah, Your boat control is important. Your bait presentation is important. Everything's important, and you got to do them all perfect every single time to consistently catch big bass if you mess up the the lure if, and the lure drops and hits them in the head that fish is done right so uh it's easier said than done but everything has to go perfect um you know it's i don't know it, it's easier said than done right i just it's kind of like riding a bike for me at this point i've been doing it for so long i'm just dialed in i i know where i'm gonna cast i know what i'm gonna do i know how long it's going to take for my bait to get to where it's going for the most part. Well, you said something that's interesting to me. You, you're going to switch to an A-rig. Uh, what, what causes that? Like, uh, is it the cold water nasty season where the swim jig uh, excels? And then when it gets a little warmer, you move over? The swim jig is good 12 months out of the year. It, it works. It's going to work when the A-rig is going to work. What's nice about the A-Rig is you can see it a lot better. So especially for guiding, they can see their bait. They can see how it's coming. Um, and there's certain times when you hook a fish on an A-Rig, that fish is not getting off. So when you hook a 15-pounder, you know that fish is going to come to the boat. So there's a time of year where they do eat the A-Rig. And that's just, you know, you catch three, four at a time. I've caught four at a time numerous times. It's just a, it's, it's a fun bait to throw. And it's a very, very short window to throw it. What size uh, swim bait do you put on a, a rig? Uh, oh, that just depends. 3.2, 3.8, I have a big suitcase bag full of just divine, six cents divine swim baits of all different sizes and colors. But just let the fish tell you, you know, what they want. It all depends on what size hook you're throwing, you know. Five right. hook. I'm not going to probably throw a 3.2. I'm going to probably downsize my hook. So it, there's too many variables. 
So it depends how how big a head you're using, weight wise, and all that. What ever catch uh, multiple double digits on a on on a one A rig? No, never. <laughs> I've caught I've caught four at a time numerous times, probably four or five times, but I I don't even think I've caught like three five pounders at once. I mean it's I don't know it, it's hard to do you know. Sure. That's a lot of that's a lot of power and fish pulling in opposite directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be hard to button up. Yep. You think they might break it apart. Josh, I'm gonna throw it to you one more time. In the summer, do you see large bass relating to a specific area more than others? For example, cover structure points deep or shallow? Yeah, in the summer they're definitely more structure oriented. They're not just out roaming around. Now, now they are but not as much as they are right now, you know. Summer, you're going to be more focused in on standing timber, on brush piles, on rock piles. And a lot of times in the summer, and this I've seen this a lot, there'll be a 12-pounder on a tree, and he'll stay on that tree for three days. You can go back to him tomorrow, and he'll still be there, and you can go back to him the next day, and he'll still be there. That doesn't mean he's going to bite. And I saw that a lot when I was smallmouth fishing, too. I had this one stump. It had a 9- or 10-pound smallmouth on it. And I think for like five or six, you know, straight days, that fish stayed on that stump. You remember that, Casey? Over by that big point, you you knew he was going to be there, and he went there, and there he was, and it was a giant smallmouth sitting in the same spot. And every single time he'd follow your bait, and not eat. So, hey. uh, and I was throwing everything. <laughs> never caught him. No, never caught him. <laughs> he's there. He's probably still there. Uh, well, let me let me take it back. Like you, you said you were at the forefront of forward facing. So, how did you get so lucky? Like I'm the last. Like I'm I'm st <laughs> I'm still I'm trying to figure it out. I, I think I'm just a babe in the woods when it comes to this stuff. How did you How did you get in the front of this thing? Uh, well, I was a cable guy before I was a full time fisherman. Um, and I went to a guy's house who had a Lawrence banner on his, in his garage and he wasn't there. His wife was there. I asked her if he worked for Lawrence. She said, no, he did for a long time, but now he works for Garmin. And I had just filmed a TV show with my buddy, Jimmy Houston for crappie. And it was like the day before. And I told, I told this woman, you know, I fish, I just filmed a TV show with Jimmy, you know, Houston. And she's like, you know, her eyes got this big, like, wow, you know, and, uh, I gave her my phone number and the guy called me later that day and I went back to his house. He didn't live far from me, met him and he gave me a nine inch unit and put me on the beta testing team at Garmin. So, and I'm still, you know, they're, they're great people without him. Um, I wouldn't be fishing right now and I definitely wouldn't be fishing full time. So that's kind of where it started several months later. That was in 2014, the, the unit he gave me was probably worth more than my boat at the time. Right. Huh. So I was just like, you know, I didn't have any money and this was just a huge deal. I got this big screen and I had no idea what to do. Well, like a year later, he called me and said, Hey, come over. I got something for you. I went over to his house. And he gave me uh, the one of the first panoptics, and it was just a, a transducer with a bunch of cables. And I said, "Well, what is this?" And he said, "It's live sonar." And I said, "Well, what do you want me to do with it?" He said, 
I, I, he, I quote, he said, I don't know. You'll figure it out. And <laughs> that was in 2015. And or maybe for, you know, it's a long time ago. It was, it was 15, probably. And that's kind of just where it took off. And here we are. It was an accident. I saw the first bite that I ever saw. I was crappie fishing. We used to we used to have two jigs, 14 inches apart. And I had about 10 foot of line out. And I said I caught a fish. I set my pole down. Well, when I went to put the, the fish up, when I and I came back to pick up my fishing pole, I saw my two jigs on the screen. And at that moment that I lifted my pole, I saw a fish bite, a crappie. And my wow. head was like exploded. And I was like, oh my, you know, I freaked out. I was like, this is amazing. And the rest of the day, I caught two fish. My buddy who wasn't using it caught about 30. And he kept saying, quit looking at that screen. Quit, you know. Well, that was the start of it. And that was with Panoptics, you know. And it's kind of just evolved to where it is. And without, without his name was Lance. Without Lance at Garmin, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So I got to definitely thank him for sure. Wow, that's 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 a great story. Amazing start. Now, the, uh, what's what's the recommend? Like, you got to get neck pain. I get neck pain staring at this screen. Uh, what 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 size screen are you using? And do you use any of those? Like, I saw those crappy guys. Man, they have these like four foot tall mounts. Do you yeah. use those? No, I don't. I don't use the mount. I I was kind of. Um, I mean, I use a 16-inch screen, right? So I don't need to lift it up. If I used a 9, probably I would need to lift it up. But but I use the biggest screen I can get. And I actually emailed some of the guys over at Lawrence. So I'm like, hey, you need to make a 20-something inch. You know, right. I think they're missing out on an opportunity, especially now that most people, when they're standing at the front of the boat, they're staring at the screen, right? And you're yeah. staring at the screen six, seven, eight hours a day. So it only makes sense to get a bigger screen. Um I think Garmin has like a 22 inch screen, don't they? Or 24 that Alan Henry the other day, there was a guy in a probably 16 foot aluminum boat, maybe 17. And he had the screen. It had to be 24 inches at the front of his boat on one of those poles. The screen had to have cost more than his boat. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Well, I, you know, it sounds to me like you're, you're better off getting one real big screen versus multiples you know I, definitely i only keep my one on and if i could and if i had enough room i would be running a 25 incher up there honestly right um but that's not an option right now what about that are you you i'm assuming you're lithium powered lithium i'm i'm so i just actually uh got a new sponsor I haven't announced it yet, but I'm running now. I'm going to run three, I think 120 amps for my trolling motor, which is very, very important. Right now, I'm running 80s, and I'm going to have a separate 16 volt battery for my uh, electronics, which right now all my electronics run off of one AGM. And then I'm going to have a cranking battery and all that. But you can absolutely not do what I do without lithium trolling motor batteries, it's not going to happen. Right, you're on it all the time. You did? Did you say a 16 volt for your I think sonar unit? Volt. I think it's no 16. It's a separate 16 volt um, battery just for all my electronics. Right now, I got three 
screen, uh, black box. So, That's like neat. I said, I haven't announced that yet. I'm, I'm trying to get a new boat deal going, and I didn't want to put these batteries in my old boat and then have to take them out and they take the charger out and put them in my new boat. So, I'm kind of held up on that deal. By the way, if Understood. any boat companies are watching, I'll just. Could you could you could you repeat that, Josh? You your Wi-Fi? No, I, I, it's probably meant to be. They didn't. God was probably saying he don't need to say that. <laughs> well, I'll say for you, Josh. I think he's looking for a new boat deal. So uh, anybody who's watching out there, hook him up. I got a deal with Phoenix right now, and I love my Phoenix, and I definitely love my dealer, right? But you know. There's definitely, I, I think there's, there's more opportunities to be had from my standpoint. I feel, at least. Well, I can certainly understand uh, where you're coming from, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time and thank your customers again uh, for for letting us have you for a little while. It's been eye opening and uh, a lot of fun, you know, to to talk about this. It's a it's a really unique style of fishing. And uh, I really appreciate you hanging out with us for a little while. Thanks for having me. Uh, you bet. And uh, you 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 got a text. You catch you catch a big one today. Even, whatever. Send us a send, send us a picture, man. We'd love to see it. And right. uh, we're gonna be following you. You know, hopefully uh, we'll see some of the, some more of those lunker shares come in this year from you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Thanks, Josh. Stay warm, thanks. Josh. We'll see you next time, buddy. Thanks All a right. lot. See ya. That was uh. Man, oh man, what what a fun way to go about fishing is just a, I we see uh, guys doing it here, right? They're they're uh, they're out there, you know, chasing the. We have eight pounders, right? That's a big mark for us. Yeah. So they spend all winter long chasing those eight pounders. Yep. And uh, yep. what what a neat way to go about it. it really is, you know, it's it, it's kind of like this style of fishing. It makes you rethink a lot of things. Yeah. And it makes you wonder. You know, like what's what's really out there? What kind of possibilities are there? You know, do, do we have the do we have the you know the the opportunity to catch some more giant fish around where we live? And you know, it may be. It may it, be. There, there, that those opportunities may be out there. It's you know, like you said though, he he's put in an incredible amount of time to to understand this and and learn how to fish this way. Yeah. Um. And I think it's just like anything. If you're willing to put the time in, time on the water always is it's you know it's the it's the deal. It is, so. and the knowledge that he just likes the thing that sticks out of my mind is being able to differentiate. And that was a great yeah. question from one of our subscribers um, between the carp, stripers, catfish, the different mannerisms that the fish yep. show, the different yep. tail uh, shapes that you're able to identify and quickly move from from uh, move away from the fish that you're not targeting pretty pretty amazing stuff uh, got a lot of patience to be able not to like catch fish every and not to cast oh, and not to cast i couldn't do that i'd be so bored <laughs> you're exactly right you know like we're so ingrained with cast 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 and you know to be able to hold your cast and wait until your moments uh and you know it's it's a, it's a completely different kind of fishing but guys, like we talked about, guys are, you know, winning tournaments constantly with it. So right, right. You know, there's a way that we're going to, you know, we can incorporate this in the, 
indoor tournament. Yeah, and it, it has its tournament app. The, the style of fishing he's doing, it has its tournament application. You know, like we we just got a great seminar from Brian Schmidt on that. We're actually releasing that seminar this week. So on Thursday, guys, you can you can watch that. We're releasing the Brian Schmidt um, stalk and chase, chasing biggins. Um, and that is in a tournament application. And he really deep dives on all three species and how he uses forward facing sonar to target individual fish. And one of the blow your hair back moments from that, Pete, and we, don't, we already talked about it today, was that Schmidt thinks that the singles are easier to catch now than the groups. Um, and I think the pressure probably has a lot to do with that. So, um, Interesting. if you're not signed up for Bass U, yeah. sign up. Go it's gonna, that seminar is going to be worth the subscription right there. Go get yourself subscribed. And, uh, we have a great six month subscription, uh, deal going on right now where you get this amazing Lakewood tackle system. Uh, one, one of these, uh, these awesome soft plastic as you, as I'm going to tear this off. No, I, I just sure. did that. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> uh, this is an awesome, uh, lifetime warranty tackle system with, breathable to keep the moisture to allow the moisture out keep the heat out uh really amazing cutting edge technology for your tackle management uh that comes with a six month subscription to bash you yep we're going to take a quick break we're going to give away some stuff like and share the feed if you're watching us on social and uh, we have a grand prize contest as well. Rich, what do you got? Yeah, I just want to give some shout outs to guys watching. There was a lot of questions that came in uh, during the show, and that's that's great participation. We we really appreciate that. So right now on the board watching with us on Bash UTV, we got Mr. BKJ, Mr. BKJ, JB Langley, New York Chris, New York Justin Chris. H in the house. What's up, Justin? Justin, the intern, JR, Mr. Higgs, Blake Bailey, Tuck, Scott Carlisle. Logan Gaither, Jay Wood, Neil, Randall. We got all kinds of people hanging out here, Pete. And it was really, really on fire on the message board. Brandon A checked in with us too. A lot of great questions came in. And, you know, our people are dialed. I gotta I, I have the, the trivia question queued up in my head. I don't I, I don't know if they'll get it right away, but I'm assuming that they probably will. But we'll find that out when we come back from break. Uh, awesome, awesome. We and shout out to Coach Prince. Yeah, did. Coach Prince, he's on the board. I saw him check in today, too. What? Oh, and, He's in Gray Book. Guess what? Gray Book. Yo, Gray. What's going on, man? Gray's only here for the giveaway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, go check out Gray Buck's uh, seminar using forward-facing yeah. center. That's on Bashy TV. And one of the one of the tips that Gray gave matched Joss's uh, tip is that you have to maintain your depth and ranges on your on your units you have to maintain that all time so that you can differentiate the size of the fish that you're after maintain low cone yeah Rick gray said the exact same thing you can watch him catch an amazing smallmouth off of his lorance unit uh on our over at bashy.tv we're gonna take a quick break and uh, we'll be back give away some stuff guys right after this what's going on it's riz here from the bash university and i am excited to welcome in Waterwood custom baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait 
These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. We're back. Welcome back to uh, to Pass University Live, everybody. I just want to remind everybody that we are going to be in Texas uh, at a Bass University event. Our next Bass University event of the year is going to be uh, is going to be in Texas, 
And I want to invite you guys to go over to thebashuniversity.com and pick up some tickets. Come out and join us. Uh, we, I know we just had Josh on talking about forward-facing sonar, but we've got to, we're going to be uh, talking with another guy that was at the forefront of this, a forward-facing sonar expert, John Sokup, uh, MPFL dual winner, uh, going to be a rookie on the Elite Series this year, and absolutely at the forefront of this technology and an expert in how to use, utilize it. Uh, is going to be there with us on Saturday. And we've got Stephen Browning, Alton Jones, Keith Combs, uh, Jay Shakurit, and Lee Livesey in Texas. So go over to thebashuniversity.com, get your tickets. If you can't make it, all these seminars are going to be out on bashu.tv. So you want to uh, you want to go get yourself subscribed. You're going to be releasing all of these, uh, these seminars this year. Uh, throughout the season so uh, you want to definitely check that out if you're watching on social like last chance for your like and share prize uh, what's like and share prize Josh? waterwood waterwood crankbaits what do they get they're getting three waterwood three well water no, that, that was the grand prize sorry they get oh they get, waterwood. Well, i messed that up so bad. <laughs> well we've got uh, so we're giving you a waterwood crankbait mm -hmm. for the like and share which yep. is uh a $30 value, and mm -hmm. they uh, we're getting three of them. Three away. of them away for the grand prize, yeah. And outstanding. So you're going to want to hang in there. As we Did we have a faux pas with our grand prize? <laughs> what happened? I don't know. We might have gave away the answer. Right? We, yeah, we might have already. <laughs> our Good. mics might not have been muted. All right, we're going we're gonna to come up with a new question. <laughs> uh, That's funny. But I, I learned so much from uh, – from, work with listening to Josh and it's kind of influenced me in a, in a different way because as I'm preparing my boat, I'm, uh, planning, I'm ordering a new boat in the next, you know, month or so. And I'm looking at my sonar setup and I want to, I'm, I'm right now I have four, uh, Solix 12s, which I love. And, uh, I'm thinking about going to a larger single unit. And I've been thinking about it for a while to, from a simplicity perspective, but after, you know, talking with Josh and how, how the importance of the big screen, uh, man, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to bump up to the 16 or the uh, subscribers were chiming in saying, saying that you should get like an external TV or external, I guess, monitor and yeah. do a HDMI or something <laughs> and hook it up and it's way bigger. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible though. Is it? I don't know. I mean that that I could see one wrong move and that that it's so monitor going in the water. Well, number one, you've got to have uh, you got to have equipment that's capable of being able to endure the the punishment of tournament fishing of big waves and and all that stuff. But that's uh, I know that I'm I'm looking at the Hummingbird Apex and the Hummingbird Solix and uh, they have 16s. I'm gonna look to see if they have larger units. I don't know. I'm gonna go, but I'm seriously considering that. Uh, going with one one really big screen on the front of my console, it just uh, uh, I just love the simplicity of it versus uh, having uh, so many different units. Uh, interesting stuff that and being able to identify the different species and the the you know using a swim jig. We were talking about this on the break, like a swim jig with no trailer uh, as one, the ultimate triggering tool uh, for for these fish. Man, I wonder if that's going to be an effective way to trigger them. You know, we're, I'm so accustomed to throwing a swim jig with a trailer. I've never thrown one without. I wonder. I wonder if it's a if it's a fish catching machine. 
And, it's basically uh, a rubber hair jig. It's basically a rubber hair jig, right? We use them for smallmouth. Why Why wouldn't they bite it? I guess the forward-facing is sonar is teaching us so much. Well, you know what? Uh, one of the other highlights was to, for me was the when he talked about the giant that followed his bait in. Yeah. Which a yeah. uh, 17- or 18-pounder. Uh, amazing stuff. But, uh, Rich, are you, are you ready? Yeah, we got a trivia question. Okay. Um, trivia question is going to be, what year did Josh Jones first start running a forward-facing sonar? What year was it that Josh Jones started running a forward-facing sonar? That's a good, good question. What what happened? We had our mics live when we were maybe, talking about that. We're not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a pirate. Maybe there's a bug in oh. the uh, here in the studio because we were we were going to ask a different question. What was the original question? The original question was, what are Josh Jones's settings on the forward-facing sonar? And and before we asked that question... It was already coming in on the answer. It was already <laughs> coming in on the answer boards. And, and we don't know how that happened. Were our, so were our mics hot? Did you guys hear that? Did you guys hear that conversation behind wow, the scenes? Wow, these years are rolling in. The answer is the correct answer? I there? don't know. The correct answer is St. Crest, 2014. 2014 is when Josh Jones first started running a forward-facing sonar. And that was a Garmin back in the day. Yeah, congratulations. And he kind of just stumbled into that. Uh, What a good deal. And uh, congratulations. Got a great prize for you. A trio of Waterwood Bates going to be coming your way. And uh, we have we we also have a like and share. Do you have we a winner? do? Our like and share goes to Will Thorne. Will Thorne, you won. Will Thorne, congratulations! Thanks for watching, guys. We are. Uh, I think we're going to miss next week's show. Yeah. Well, we could go live from Texas from yeah. the water. <laughs> we'll keep you guys posted. We'll keep you guys posted. We'll Whatever do. Can... We'll do some kind of a live. Yeah. We're, you know, whether we whether we stream to everything or not, we'll go live on social at least. But. We're gonna no, stay tuned. We're gonna go hunt our own lunker share next week uh, when we're down in Texas. We're uh, post event. We're gonna go do a little fishing on Lake Athens. So come on out and join us if you're if you're down that way, guys. Thanks so much for watching. Watching. Thanks, Josh. What a what a great interview and uh, just fascinating work that you're doing out there uh, in Oklahoma and Texas. And I appreciate you taking the time and thank you to Josh's customers who allowed us to have them for an hour. Um, taking a break from, uh, chasing those lunkers down there at OH Ivy. I want to, want to thank everybody at Gadsden. Look Hmm. forward to seeing everybody in Texas and, uh, keep us, you know, send us your pictures, send us your lunker pictures. We've got so many rave reviews from our seminars, you're, we're going to be yeah. posting all that stuff really, really soon, and we hope to see you there in Texas. I'm Pete Gluzek. We will see you next week.